Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Well, as you've already heard, we are studying Jesus' high priestly prayer, his last prayer for the disciples before he goes to the cross. Um, imagine that. So we, we had several weeks ago, we had the triumphal entry as we go through John. Then we had uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And then giving him, giving them his his last words, his last advice, his last promises, his last blessings, and then finally, before they go into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he'll be arrested, we'll cover that next week. He prays one last prayer, and this is an incredibly powerful prayer. And it's not just for his disciples; it's for all of us as well. So as I read this, I'm going to read the whole chapter. I'm pulling a Pastor Steve, uh, but I feel like we need to hear all of these words. Just think about, think about what he's praying for specifically, and and let him let, be present with the fact that he is praying for you. He's praying for MLEPC as he is praying for all of these things. So this is the word of God. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given to him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. The glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved, have loved me. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's pray together. Holy God, we receive this prayer. We receive your blessings of unity, love, joy, holiness. Lord, we pray that you would make these words come alive to us today through your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our spirits to hear your truth, to receive your blessing, and to be equipped and empowered to walk out to the world and share your love with them. Lord, we thank you for your word, for, for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. We pray that as we look to him today, you would fill us anew, that we may be blessed to be a blessing. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. What, as Ashley said, what do you usually pray for? What, what are the things that are on your list? We pray for our loved ones. We pray for sometimes the weather. I did a funeral by a graveside yesterday, and we were praying for the weather. <laughs> it was like, going to rain, not going to rain, back and forth the whole time. But God gives us an incredible prayer through Jesus Christ at the very end of his life, what is most important to Jesus? That is what we see in this moment and through this prayer. He is wanting to bless his disciples with protection, with unity, with joy, with holiness, so that they can share his love with the world. Not just to make converts, but to make worshipers who come and see Jesus Christ in his glory and for his glory. As we think about this prayer, we see Jesus Christ not only, as I said, praying for his current disciples, but praying for us as well, for those who will believe in his name. So as we look through this prayer, we, we see the things, as Ashley said, what's important to Jesus in that moment? Obviously, Jesus cares about healing our bodies. He cares about he, binding up broken hearts. He cares about setting the captives free bringing justice to the world, blessing the poor and needy, the poor in spirit. But in this final moment, what are the things that are most important to him? These are the things that we're going to look at today. 
Some people want to say, well, this prayer was sort of dropped in the middle. It didn't fit here. But really, there's a tradition in the Jewish world that, that somebody who was, was leaving or at the end of their life would give a long speech of final words and then finish it with a prayer for those that he's with. So you think about Moses in, in Deuteronomy 32 and 33. He does exactly this. He gives this, this parting words, be strong and courageous. He especially blesses Joshua. And, and, and then he prays for the people. And he prays for their journey into the promised land. So this, this prayer of Jesus is very similar to what Moses prayed as well. Um, as, as we look at this, this is kind of a director's cut. I've mentioned this several times. When a director is making a movie, you can have the same movie about the same topic, but different directors are going to focus on different things. So you saw in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the early Gospels, you saw them focus on things like um, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. In, in the, at the Last Supper, he focuses on, this is my body broken for you. Whereas John, he's a later one, and he wants to, there's some things that he decides that, that everybody needs to know that the others haven't zoomed in on. So here in this moment, John chooses to zoom in on this prayer. This is, this is a prayer of blessing, of provision, of protection, and, and, and of sending out as well. This is a prayer of, of confidence. Jesus is less than 24 hours from death. How would you be praying 24 hours from certain death, and not easy death, hard, excruciating death? This is what he's praying, knowing what he's focused on, knowing where he is heading. And John wants everybody to know that this whole thing has purpose, that Jesus knows and is confident in the plan of the Father. He knows that, that this is for God's glory, and he is willing to do that. And he wants it to be something that becomes a blessing that later in life, when the disciples reflect back on this, they will understand what Jesus is praying for. So Jesus prays for himself, and then he prays for his disciples, and he prays for us. So there's kind of three parts in this. I'm going to focus on, on Jesus' prayer for himself and then and kind of lump the other two together because they're, they're very similar. He repeats the same themes in both of those prayers. So as Jesus comes before the Father, it's his, he says, the first thing he says, I know that my t the hour has come. Do you remember the very, very first miracle that happens in the book of John? Mary, his mother, comes to him and says, you know, we're out of wine at this wedding. And what's, what does he say first? Mom, <laughs> my hour hasn't come yet. But Mary knows that it is time. The hour, he was entering into his ministry, but the hour to come is this hour. This, my hour has come. It is time. It is time to complete the work it is finished. That's a word of completion. So Jesus is completing the work in this moment and for the next 24 hours. This is the moment where it is all wrapped up, and, and these are the final words that he's praying. He prays for God's glory, that God would be glorified. And then he prays an interesting thing. He prays for his own glory. Newsflash, he is the only human being that gets to pray to have glory because he's human and divine at the same time. We don't get to pray for glory as much as we'd like glory. 
We're like, see how great I am. See what I have done. Uh Uh-uh. The only time that we are to pray for glory is when it is God's glory. May you be glorified in what I have done. when, When we have a win for the Lord, it's not, hey, look at my win. It is all for God's glory. And when we try to take that for ourselves, when we let, hey, we're the best such and such in town, that robs God of glory. It's almost an idolatry of alternate glory, but we want to make much of God. When we talk about the word glorify, it's, it's, um, it's to magnify and make known God's glory, which is that one person described it, glory, as the display of divine goodness. The display of divine goodness. Think, think about what God's goodness is like, how he has displayed his goodness, his majesty, you know, in the heavens. I was out in, in the countryside a couple of weeks ago, um, north of Grove City at a camp, and, and I walked out and saw the stars, and it's like, oh yeah, I never see those where I live. But to see the majesty of God's heavens unveiled, his glory is infinitely greater than that. And often we forget that, his glory. And God is, Jesus is saying, be glorified. He also says something interesting. He says, um, glorify me in, your, in the, your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So Jesus is saying, bring me back to that glory. And in Philippians 2, you may remember that, that Christ hymn where he says, have the same mind of Christ who, though he was with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grabbed onto. That he was willing to let go of it, to enter into earth, to take on a cross, death, even death on a cross, that he may be glorified again. So it's this descent and then rising again. So Jesus is saying, bring me back to that place. Let me be glorified because that's what you created me for. But he knows that to be glorified on earth means to be lifted up on a cross. He is not going to be lifted up and, and in charge of everything um, so that like all kingdoms will, will put Jesus as president. He is saying, I've got something way bigger than that. He wants to be glorified sitting at the right hand of God the Father so that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the glory that Jesus is talking about. So even as he prays for this, then he begins to pray for the disciples. And if you think about, we've, we've studied several different of Paul's letters, and he always starts his letters first praising God, and then he gives thanks for the people. And Jesus kind of does this. He, he, he talks about the things that the disciples have done well. He, he says positive things like Jesus um, has been revealed to them, they have been given by God to Jesus. They, uh, they have believed the words that, that have been spoken. They've seen the truth. And not only they've, they've heard the words, but they've obeyed them. They've entered into those words. And then he says that they, have, they know that, I have, that you have sent me and they have believed. A lot of people want to make the Gospel of John into something called Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a belief that there's only spiritual truth, and it's, it's, it's secret knowledge that's way up here, and you get the secret knowledge, but it has nothing to do with, with reality here on earth. It is, it's something that only a few of us have, and, and, and it, like your head is all that matters, your spirit is all that matters, your body doesn't matter. 
That's what people want to make this out to be. This was a, a, an early heresy in the church. But, but Jesus is using the word no, not in that head, head knowledge, Gnosticism kind of way. He's using it in the Hebrew way, which means to know someone is to be deeply intimate with them. He says, may, may they know me like I know you, Father. How does Jesus know the Father? Does he know all the facts and figures about him? Does he know all the details and information? Or does he know the Father? He knows the Father's heart. He knows the Father's longings and compassion. He knows the Father's goodness and greatness and power. He knows him intimately, and they are united together. And Jesus wants us to know him and the Father in the same way, and he wants us to know each other in that same way as well. It's a deep, rich, covenantal love that is in the, it is the Father and the Son and the Spirit all together. And he is praying that we would know that as well, that, that not only that we would know it intellectually, but it would impact everything about us, that we would believe and obey and walk in that. And as we look at the rest of this prayer, we need to remember that Jesus isn't praying a you individual prayer. He's praying a yin's prayer. That took a lot for a southerner to say. It's a y'all prayer. <laughs> Jesus wants to pray for, for all y'all, for, for Yin's guys. He wants to, he, this is a prayer of blessing for community, not just for individuals. We in the States tend to be individualistic. It's, it's, it, it's my, my needs, my rights, my, my thing. You know, Do what you want to do, have it your way. But Jesus Christ wants to say that as a community of believers, as Christ followers, it's not just you and God. It's not just a one-on-one -on -one relationship. It's a community relationship. Somebody I know always refers to the community of faith as holy sandpaper. <laughs> we, we, as, you know, the scripture says, iron, as iron sharpens iron. It's like the sandpaper is rubbing off our rough edges. But when we are together, when we're in community, we become more like Christ because we are together. And the world sees that as we're together. So let's look at specific things that he prays for Yin. As they gather together, as he's praying this blessing on them, the first thing that he prays is for protection. He actually prays for protection three different times, for, for the disciples and for, um, and, and for us. When he prays for protection, we usually instantly think, well, pray that I won't get killed, pray that I won't get hurt, pray that, you know, bad things won't happen. What does he pray protection for first? This is what he says. Um, so, like, protect them by the power of your name. This is verse 11. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. What is the protection for? It's for unity. It's prayer against disunity. The enemy of the faith loves to pull people apart. That's one of his very, very favorite things to do. And you have seen it. I mean, it happens just now between brothers. It happens in families. It happens in, in, in relationships and in community. It happens in marriages. It happens in church. It happens um, in, our, in our nation between, you know, the red tribe and the blue tribe. It happens it, between socioeconomic groups. There's always this tendency to pull apart and to be divided. Jesus is praying for protection against that, 
that you may be one as I am one. That no matter what our, our tribe or tongue or language, we would be united together under Jesus Christ. He's praying. That is the first thing that he prays for protection of. He prays, prays that we may be one, and then he prays that we would be protected from the evil one. He's, he's looking at his disciples. He knows what they're about to go through. He knows that Peter is about to deny him. He knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that the disciples are going to be paralyzed with fear when, when Jesus is crucified. There's so much that they are going to scatter. But Jesus prays from, for protection from the evil one so that, that God would be able to bring them back together. This takes supernatural help. This is not something they can do on their own. But God wants to, to pour out his spirit to bring, bring them together. The thing is he's praying for protection not to take them out of the world, not to set them apart in a little ghetto where everything will be great. He, wants, he says, I'm, I'm not praying that they will be taken out of the world, but that while they are in the world, you will be with them for protection in the world. In the midst of all of that, he's saying, I, I want to bless you in this. And why? It's for the glory of God. You've heard me say dozens of times that story from Andrew Brunson, the, the missionary, EPC missionary who was captured in Turkey, um, held in prison for two years. And he said that he prayed in the midst of this that he, he trusted God to protect him unless not protecting him would bring him more glory. That is essentially what Jesus is praying here. That, that the glory is the most important thing. That glorifying God is the most important thing. Bodily protection is not the ultimate thing. I, I hear some of those stories about, uh, about Ukraine and the bravery and courage of some of those people. They are, are, are not praying necessarily for, for safety and security. They're running into the battle because they have a higher cause. And that's what Christ is saying. You know, don't, don't flee the battle. I'll put you in this place to be present in this place on purpose so that I would be glorified, so that God's purposes would be accomplished, uh, so that we would be sent out. Again, he play, prays for unity, and he prays for it twice. In verse 11 and verse 21, once for the disciples and once for us. That you, they may be one as you, uh, you and I are one as he's praying to the Father. He is asking, again, for intimacy, for dependence. And, and he's praying that, that through this they would be a blessing to others. That the world would see this unity. You know, I, I traveled a lot with uh, the um, nonprofit World Vision and within a bunch of different countries and a lot of different continents. Um, and my very favorite thing about those travels was meeting other Christians around the world. We may speak different languages, we may uh, you know, dress differently or, or sing different songs, but meeting them, we united over the love of Christ, the love that Christ had for us and the love that Christ had for the world. It was like we were, didn't even know we were members of the same family, and yet here we were, brothers and sisters. Such joy. We're about to send another mission team to, to Kenya, and that's a place where we can experience this unity. It is amazing to watch. We usually, have, we, we'll, we usually bring 
attend and maybe 10 or 15 people. Pastor Joe brings a team of 45 to 50. And most of them are college students. And they come and they are full of so much joy. <laughs> they can go for like 14 hours a day. I do not know how they do it. Um, they, they, they sing and praise until late at night, dancing and, and clapping and all of this exuberance. And then they get up at like 5.30 in the morning to do it again. <laughs> I could make one or the other of those. <laughs> but being with them and working side by side together to serve this, this underprivileged community we, it was such a blessing to see that these are the same brothers and sisters that we have. This is the same God that we have, and we can work together in unity, even though we have such incredibly different backgrounds. We have the same Lord, and we can be blessed together in that. Again, this is supernatural. This is not just we work for the same corporation. This is a supernatural bond that God gives, that he provides and blesses us with. Another thing that he, he prays for, again, he's, he, if you look at the words, so that, he uses so that several times. So protect them so that they will be one. Protect them from the evil one so that they can be a blessing. So that, and then he prays um, so that they would have, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things, this is verse 13, while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of joy. Again, this is 24 hours before Jesus died. I mean, less than 24 hours. So that they may have my fullness, full measure of joy. Can you imagine being 24 hours from execution and having a full measure of joy that is so full, he wants to give it away? That, that sentence just blows me away. I feel like I need to hang out with it for a while. A full measure of Christ's joy. And that's what he wants us to have. The next sentence is, I have given the, uh, um, I have given them your word and the word ha- world has hated them. The next sentence says, you guys are going to get hated, but here's a bunch of joy. What a contrast. Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how persecuted you are. It doesn't matter how hard the world is going to treat you. It doesn't matter. You're going to be able to have joy in the middle of it. And that is not a pull yourselves up by your bootstraps kind of joy. That is a supernatural joy. That is a a dose of the Holy Spirit that is crazy in the midst of it. That God can bless you and through you bless others by his joy. Jesus also prays for sanctification. Sanctification is a, a pretty big word. Usually it means to be set apart, to, to, be, to be set apart from all the, the stuff of this world that clogs us, to be set apart and cleaned out, to, to, to have something um, be sanctified is to make it holy, to, to have it washed clean. So Jesus Christ is saying, I pray that you would make them holy that you would help them. I, I talked several weeks ago about, about the pipe. We need the pipe to be cleaned out. If we are to be flowing with the, the living water, we need to have the pipe cleaned out, and we need to have it ready to, to bless others as well. Jesus is praying that they would be cleaned out, that, that, that we would be set apart for his work, not set apart from the world, but even in the midst of the world, to be special and unique. We can think of us as, as, as an embassy for the kingdom of God. 
We are set apart in that we are from a different world. Our, 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 our citizenship is from heaven, not from earth. But we are here, present, so that we can minister to those around us. We are different and yet present. In, it's, it's called incarnational ministry, like Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among them. Jesus wants us to dwell here on the corner of Scott and Washington in the South Hills, and he wants to use us and equip us in that process. And the final thing he says is, so that the world may believe. He says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Even as God loved Jesus, he wants us to know how much he loves, he loves you, y'all. Ends. He loves you. And he wants, he wants us to understand that so that the world can see it too. That in the love that the, the Father has for us, in the love that we have for one another, that is when the world begins to go, what is it with those guys? What is it that they have that I don't have? It is that love and joy and peace and grace, the fruit of the Spirit, patience, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, that is what shows the world who Jesus Christ is. My friend Danielle, who has played here several times to help lead us in worship, she is currently an Uber driver to pay for her main job, which is a music minister. But it is fascinating. She asks God to help her show the joy of God, the love of God, every time she picks up somebody in her, in her Uber. I don't know if you've ever seen the game show Cash Cab. She's decided hers is Dodge Cab. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> you thought you were just getting a ride. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. She led two people to Christ this week. Sinner's Prayer. Isn't that incredible? She just invites people into the love and the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ. And she prays like, she, she, she doesn't force the, the, the question on them. She's like, God, bring this into the conversation. She was talking to a guy last night um, who, you know, thought, you know, kind of all roads lead to heaven, didn't have any particular faith, and, and he was the one that brought up God. And later in the end of the conversation, she's like, you know, every time somebody gets in this car, I pray that, that God will come up in conversation, and you brought it up. <laughs> Are we loving others? Are we displaying the love of God with one another so that they bring it up? What is this that you have? How are you guys doing this? One of the things that, that I was really proud of you guys with, it, last election cycle was hard. We have people from all stripes of political uh, um, loyalties, but our number one loyalty as a congregation is Jesus. And I was really amazed at how you guys loved each other well, even though your political opinions might be different, but our number one loyalty was Christ. Our identity is in Christ, not in the color that we wear, but in the Lord Jesus. And, and our unity is on display to others. People, we see the world just being pulled apart in a thousand different directions, all of the splintering uh, of the world. And yet, in Jesus Christ, we can be unified. And that is what he's, he's calling us to demonstrate. It's not just unity to, to have unity. It's unity as a witness, as a way to proclaim his faithfulness to the world. It is hard for us as a community of faith, 
as a church, as a congregation, to, to fight that. Because the enemy is trying to divide us at all times. I, again, as I said earlier, as American Christians, we, we skew individualistic. That is the way that we, that's the water we grew up in. It's the way that we swim. I was reading my African Bible commentary this week, and, and, because I always double-check it to, to make sure that I'm not like leaning American rather than Christian. <laughs> um, and one of the things it was talking about was, was the tribal unity, but then for them, the, big uni- the divisions are, are between tribes. Tribes themselves are united, but it's between tribes that the conflict comes. It's interesting that they're much more community-focused. The, their language groups and their, their culture are, are usually unified, and they think in terms of what would be best for the community. I, I heard a story one time about um, a, a, a foot race that was going to happen at this school in Africa, and they, they, they have this prize of all of these like, different kinds of fruit at the end of the thing. And, and they're like, okay, whoever wins this gets the prize. What do the children do? They joined hands and crossed the finish line together because they wanted to be able to share that with each other. That is, that is unity. That is community. And we can learn so much from that, even as Ashley was, was demonstrating that circle, how we can be united so that we can celebrate together and so that we can be a blessing to other people. But there's so much pulling us apart. There's so many different ways the enemy is trying to attack. There's so many ways that our own individual wants and desires and preferences can pull us apart. There are, sometimes there are things in our past that have hurt people. I've, I have these, this stack of, of surveys and, and reports that have been done on this church over the last few decades. And almost every single one of them shows a lot of it's their fault it's the, past, the pastor has failed and should be kicked out. There's a lot of bitterness in them that you see as you read all of them and you see patterns. The enemy wants to divide this church and has divided this church in different ways. But Christ is praying that we would have supernatural protection from the enemy to not be that way anymore. He doesn't want things like, like gossip, like, like um, critical spirits, mistrust, all of those things snip away at the, at, at the unity of the body. Jesus wants us to be free from that, to let it go, to trust that he's going to look out for us. Even when human beings fail, even when your pastor fails, newsflash, it happens every day. But Jesus Christ is the one who is, is guiding and leading and protecting. He's the one that's creating unity. Even when we as human beings feel like we have failed at that. Larry Selig, one of the former pastors of this church, um, had a communion service one time in here for the community. Um, there were a bunch of different ministries represented. And he was about to have communion and he felt like God said, stop, you're not ready. And he was like, uh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and he stopped and he said, is there a Catholic priest here? And there was one Catholic priest in the back who was sort of incognito. <laughs> he raised his hand. Larry invited him up and Larry said, I want to apologize to you on behalf of our church on the way that we have treated Catholics and hated Catholics over the years. That is not the unity of the body of Christ. And as he as he prayed for this guy. I mean, they just wept together. Other people in the church stood up and say, I need to ask you for forgiveness and you for forgiveness. And all of this, this, this confession and forgiveness 
broke out. He said it went on for like 45 minutes. God broke the hearts of the people to say we need to confess our divisions, to lay them down, and God will heal and restore. And and it it was a time of incredible flourishing for the body of Christ, for the kingdom of God in this community. People looked at it and said, wow, what was that? The Holy Spirit was at work. And little by little, of course, things have divided us again. But, But imagine the power of that. If we walked that every single day, as we pass the peace of Christ, we haven't done that since, since COVID started, but that's what that was for in the service, the worship service in the early church, to reconcile with one another so that we can glorify God and so that the world can see that we are one as Christ is one with the Father. That is the work that he wants to do in us. And that is my prayer for us this week that, that we would be reconciled with one another, that we would be willing to, to humble ourselves, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for God to change our hearts so that we can be united with one another. That may be between you and a spouse. It may between, be between you and a child or you and a, and a parent. One of the most amazing things that a parent can do to a child is to apologize. In, in Ephesians it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. That often comes from being wrong and not caring to apologize to a child. But, but that is a way that you can teach your child grace, is to be willing to ask for their grace in the first place. We do that with one another, whether we are an elder or whether we are uh, you know, a, a, a servant. Hopefully elders are servant leaders, but no matter where we are in the church, And even with those people outside of these walls, a neighbor that you might have offended, a colleague, a a fellow student, how do we humble ourselves and be reconciled and be ministers of reconciliation in the midst of that? As as somebody was summing up this work of Jesus Christ, this prayer that he has for his people, uh, one church summed it up as, as four W's. I always aspire to the W thing, but I'm not Baptist enough. <laughs> but worship, word, welcome, and witness. Worship, word, welcome, and witness. That's what Christ prays for. He prays for, for God to be glorified. He prays that we would hold on to the word and believe it and obey it. He prays that we would be one, that we would be welcoming people into the unity of the body so that we can glorify God. And he prays for witness, that we can go out. As I was thinking about those four W's, I realized that our four, four core values that we established last year, that session shows, are exactly that. It, we are worshipful. We, we worship and glorify God, and we want to draw others in to worship. We are biblical. Everything that we do is founded on the Word of God, and we want to not only know it as head knowledge, but know it as, as, as how we relate to God, listen to God, believe Him, and obey it. We are, are covenantal. That means that, that we value committed relationships. We want to be in those relationships where, you, you know, sometimes you've been in a relationship so long with people you've learned how to fight well. Sometimes we need to learn how to do that, to say nothing you can do is going to break this relationship. I am committed to you, and, and I am committed to working with you so that we can overcome the differences that divide us. 
And finally, we are missional. We are a witness to the world. We are, are, are united together so that the world may believe, so that we can invite others into this intimate relationship with the Father, so that they may know that love and that power. That is my prayer for all of us today, that we may be grounded in the Word of God, that we may worship Him and glorify Him, that we may be one as the Father and Jesus are one. And that we may be a witness sent out on mission to bless the world. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.